Hey everyone, it's Brandon T. Adams, and this is Win the Day with James Whitaker. You're listening to Win the Day with James Whitaker. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, this is the number one podcast to help you win the day every day. Here's your host, James Whitaker. Let's go! Welcome back to Win the Day. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, you might notice that we're not in my usual home studio setup. In fact, we're in a professional recording studio here in Los Angeles, California. So shout out to Mike and the team at Network Studios for having us here today. And any guests who are in Southern California or who are traveling to Los Angeles, we're going to make sure we film them here in this professional recording studio. All right, let's get into today's episode. And the quote for this episode comes from Brandon T. Adams and says, I'm in a battle every single day, a war. People who succeed have the burning desire to win and the persistence to get up and fight every day. Hell of a quote, that one. And we actually have the man himself with us here today, Brandon T. Adams. Now, before we get started, I'm going to give you a little bit of an overview of Brandon's life, and he's managed to fit a lot into his three decades on this earth. He's got a truly eclectic background. So Brandon grew up in rural Iowa, helping out with his father's packaged ice business. That job taught him the value of hard work and an honest buck, but he didn't share similar enthusiasm for his academic work. On the brink of flunking out of college, Brandon was given a book that completely changed his trajectory and became the foundation to every success he enjoys today. Since that defining moment, Brandon has become a podcaster, a speaker, an inventor, and business advisor. His work as a crowdfunding expert has raised more than $35 million and led to him working with high-profile clients such as Kevin Harrington from hit TV show Shark Tank, Jeff Hoffman, who was the billionaire co-founder of Priceline, John Lee Dumas from award-winning Entrepreneurs on Fire, and the renowned non-profit XPRIZE. As a serial entrepreneur, Brandon owns a stake in a number of businesses. He's been featured on the cover of Investor's Digest magazine, led one of the largest campaigns for a book in crowdfunding history, and was featured as the youngest cast member of Think and Grow Rich The Legacy, which was a project where we first met. Most recently, Brandon became the Emmy Award-winning producer and host of TV show Success in Your City, which you can check out now on Amazon. And I'm extremely grateful to be featured in a couple of those episodes. Brandon and I immediately got along like a house on fire and he's been one of my closest friends ever since. And fun fact, I was actually the officiant at Brandon's wedding in Nashville where he married his beautiful bride, Samantha. So, without further ado, let's welcome Brandon T. Adams to the show. How are you, my friend? Good. It's great to be here in studio with you, man. It's always a pleasure being in your presence. Well, it's great that we're stepping it up. Uh, we're stepping it up together. So, to, <laughs> to kick things off, tell us about what it was like growing up in uh, rural Iowa. Well, you've been. It's funny you've been to Iowa, so you know what it's like. Uh, I grew up in a town of seven hundred people, Garnerville, Iowa. Uh, my whole life, I was I was an entrepreneur. I, I worked with my dad in the ice business. I remember I was selling all the time. I'd knock on doors. I, whether I was selling knickknacks, selling bikes, selling, uh, I mean, anything I could. And I was, I was big into fundraising too. I remember doing St. Jude's Bikeathon. I remember doing Boy Scouts popcorn. But I was, I call myself the Spartan entrepreneur. And I got to see what it was like at a young age to work my father in the ice business. I, I didn't play baseball. I didn't go do the summer sports. I worked in the ice business. And, and so I always had the entrepreneur bug in terms of like lifestyle. I mean, small town, we, my parents have timberland and a cabin that you've been to, and it's 10 miles outside of town, middle of nowhere. 
So growing up, I got to shoot guns. I got to just experience life and see what it's like in a small town area. But you know, the one thing I think about looking back on it is when you're in a small town, you only know what you know. Like I never thought like I was going to leave Iowa or even Clayton County, my county that has no stoplights in it. And, and once you get opened up to the world and what's possible and you see what other people are doing, you have a different perspective because I, being in the ice business, that's all I knew. And I thought that I would do that for the rest of my life. But once I got different perspectives on life, then it changed how I thought, it changed who I surrounded myself with. Um, but it all started in a small town in Iowa. It's funny, isn't it? Sometimes you don't realize how much of a bubble that you're in until you leave that bubble. It doesn't matter what city you grow up in or yeah. what town you grow up in. I, I had a similar experience when I moved to Boston at the age of 28, and it was only once I was there and around a lot of entrepreneurs. And when you're in a new city, it forces you to get out of your comfort zone that you realize, looking back, how much of a, of a bubble you were in. What career opportunities did you feel were available to you growing up in rural Iowa? I, so, I, yeah, I mean, so I always knew I wanted to sell. I was obsessed with like sales and selling and, and getting sales, making money. And so the ice business was how I did that. But I always wanted to try different things. And when I was a kid, I always knew I wanted to do something big. I didn't think I was going to go to TV shows or go do public speaking, let alone. But I knew I wanted to do something. And, and the big setback I had as a kid was I had a speech impediment. So I had a lisp. I couldn't communicate. And that bothered me. I remember people bullying me. I remember avoiding the, the S words. And, and I realized, I'm like, okay, if I want to be the best at sales, I have to be a great communicator. And like age 10, I was in front of the mirror at night practicing my S's, practicing my speaking. I am a great speaker. I am a great salesman. All the things like you would read and think of rich. But I didn't read the book at that time. I just knew that, hey, if I keep practicing, eventually I'll get better. I remember people would come up to me and like, oh, do you have a speech impediment? I'm like, no, what are you talking about? And eventually it, it was like built in my subconscious. And by the time I turned, I think got to high school, like I no longer had a speech impediment. And I started putting myself in front of uh, audiences. I remember I was scared shitless to speak in front of people, but I would volunteer to speak in front of a group of 20 people. And then I remember the first time in high school, I, I spoke in front of like, a hundred people. I thought, oh my God, that's like a big deal. So I kept pushing myself outside my comfort zone because it wasn't, I wanted to be a great public speaker. I wanted to be great at communication for selling. And so I guess looking at that, I wanted to utilize that in the ice business. It always was that. I didn't know until I got to college, like I was going to do something other than sell frozen water for the rest of my life. Well, that forced repetition of getting out of your comfort zone yeah. and exposing yourself to those situations has been such a big key to, to your success. And I look forward to talking more about that. Before we get into all of that, tell us about Brandon T. Adams, the college student. <laughs> okay, so I, <laughs> I, so let's step back a second. So when I was like, my brother and sister are, my brother's like 39, my sister's 37. So growing up, like as a kid, I would get to hang out with them. And so I remember when I got to go visit my brother in college, he was, uh, where was he? He was in Cedar Rapids and I, I can't even, Kirkwood, it was Kirkwood College, but we called it Kegwood because all they did was drink there. And I remember going <laughs> hang out with my brother and everybody thought it was cool. I was at the party. I'm like 10 years old, hanging out with them. And that kind of like, at that point I realized, okay, like, I like beer. I was drinking in, in high school like that. I can say it now. I mean, I played sports. I, I was uh, drinking beer in cornfields and. When I got to college, I just let loose. I was, I was an alcoholic. I was drinking every single night. 
I stopped going to class because in high school I got, I got like a 3.8 GPA. And so like school is easy for me. I got to college and I realized, oh, I got to study now. I got to go to class. And what I did is when I had that freedom and I'm in a, uh, I had a roommate, his name was Brandon too. We were called B (laughs) squared. We're cousins. And we would, we would go out all the time. And we, so we, we partied, we had fun. I did some drugs. And then the one entrepreneur thing I did there was I was making it basically moonshine. I was making homemade apple pie. It's ever clear. It's there's a whole formula. I made it really well. And I would sell it to other people in the dorm rooms because none of them were 21, but I would get this in bulk. I would sell in Gatorade bottles and bottles. And so that was like my entrepreneur thing I was doing. And so as you can see, my, uh, my start of my college wasn't the best. So needless to say, my first semester, I got a 1.68 GPA. Um, I took the finals of my econ class and I remember failing it. And I tried to convince them. I was always trying to convince people to allow me to pass. And I said, hey, I told the professor, what do I got to do? Can I do extra credit? Can you let me pass? And this is what he said. I'll never forget this. He said, Brandon, you know, there's been studies done where monkeys at random pick different choices for the answers. The score that you got in your test is worse than what a monkey would get on average. And I thought to myself, you could have just told me I failed instead of said I'm like a monkey. And I'll never forget that. But I, so I, I that was horrible. And then get, getting towards the end of my, uh, sem- the second semester's freshman year, I was fighting. I remember getting in a brawl and I remember I got kicked out of the dorm rooms before and I'd go sleep with my buddy on, on his couch at his house. And, and so my first semester of college was a complete shit show. Like I was lost and I, I came to this part. I'm like, Brandon, am I going to like drop out and then go home and work in the family ice business? And then everybody like, oh, you couldn't make it through college. And then your daddy just gave you the business. And I told myself, I'm not going to do that. So I had to make a pivot um, because I definitely was going down the wrong path. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? When we, uh, I feel like people in high school, they're told that the metric of success then is just to get good grades so you can get into a, you know, get a good college uh, degree. And then once you're in that, it's all about getting that good college degree, which will then get you a a good job. And anyone who's remotely entrepreneurial or who's just not ready, what's that quote that says, when the student is ready, the master will appear. I had a very similar experience in in college where I just felt like I was not ready to learn. And as a result of that, you're not willing to understand the systems and do what it takes to you know, to succeed. Well, it's in also, areas. I think college, like I had to take my first semester. They have the electives you got to take. I fucking hated econ. Like I didn't care about econ chemistry. I hated the three hour lab. I, I, so <laughs> how I passed is I would like flirt with girls that were smart and have them help me do my homework. But I, it just was born. I think people go to college for the wrong reasons. They go to get the degree. I get that. But if you don't know what you want to do and you're spending 20, 30,000 a year, 50,000 and building up debt and you know what the fuck you're going to do, don't waste your money. And so my first two years of college were pure doing things that I didn't want to do, but I did because that's what I had to do to get my degree. Once I got to my junior year, I actually got to take things I enjoyed. I got to meet contacts. I got to do small business class. I got to do communication, all these different things. And that's where I started taking college seriously. The first couple of years were I'm here doing something I really don't care to do. What I enjoy doing is partying. Um, The school part, I'm doing it because, hey, I got to get that piece of paper. Mm. 
I guess one good thing about that is what you and I had. It was a bit of a, our grades were a bit of a kick up the ass that we needed to that we needed to get wake up to, call. Yeah. yeah, and life has certainly changed for you since then. You've got this awesome new book, The Road to Success. Now you know we were at uh, Barnes and Noble, the Grove, the other yeah, day yeah. where we had your book launch, and there are books all, uh, in bookstores all around the country. You've got the TV show Success in Your City available now uh, online. Let's start with the TV show. Tell us about the premise for that and what motivated you to get the show done. Yeah, so how I got into TV in the first place was in 2000, first a step back, and when I was in my, my, it was third year of college, I read this book, Think and Go Rich, as we, that's how we met for producing the movie. And I found out while I read that book, I realized if I want something in life, I can achieve it. If I go after it, I surround myself with the right people and follow the 13 principles. And so that's what I ultimately went after. And I remember having Cat Jack Berenger, who was a guy that basically led me to the book. He became my mentor and opened my mind outside of what it was like in a small town Garneville. I, I realized I could do more with the world. I could become very wealthy. I could go do different things. And so where I really started to get in the TV space was it first came with this invention idea. I had Arctic Stick. I invented a product. Um, never really made a lot of money, but I had to raise money for it. I did a crowdfunding campaign on Kickstarter, and then while doing that, I found out that there was a need in the market to become a crowdfunding expert. So what I did is I started building my brand around crowdfunding. While doing that, one of the key components of crowdfunding was video. So creating a video that told the story of your product, your service, capturing their attention, telling a story, and doing a call to action, which in this case was donate or pledge money or whatever, invest. And so once I started doing more of that, I realized, okay, crowdfunding, I'm good at this, but I really enjoy the video stuff. So I started, I remember taking acting classes. I remember doing commercials. I had agents. I was creating my own videos. And so where I got into my first opportunity to be in the TV space was a guy that sponsored my event named Greg Roulette. He he came to my event and while we're at the event, he said, hey, I got this pilot run of a TV show called Ambitious Adventures. And he said, um, if you help me raise the crowdfund it, I'll make you my co-host. And I instantly, I said yes, because I always wanted to be in front of the camera. I did that. We ultimately took that show out. It was on Amazon Prime. But that led to me doing another show and then led me to doing Success in Your City. And that's how I got in the TV space. But how I actually, the whole concept for Success in Your City was, it was 2017. My uh, girlfriend at the time, now wife, Samantha, we were in Puerto Rico and we're sitting on a beach. We're having a pina colada. All best ideas sometimes come from a drink, right? <laughs> and we're having a drink. And I said, what are we going to do next? Like, let's do something crazy. Let's do something fun. And we were living at Florida at the time. And and uh, I had always had this idea. I remember telling John Lee Dumas this idea. He was, I think, the first person I ever told him, like, hey, John, what do you think of this idea of me living in 12 cities in 12 months? He's like, man, you're going to have to do a lot of preparation for that and whatever. And so I went back to that. And I said to Sam, why don't we live in 12 cities in 2018? live in different cities, learn from people, and just enjoy life. And and I said, why don't we film a TV series on it? Because I got done with the show Ambitious Adventures, and, and the one feedback was our show would have been better if it was a male and female co-host. And what not to be better than having a, a couple. So I somehow convinced Samantha to, <laughs> to be my co-host. And that's where the concept started for pursuing this thing called success in your city. And when we flew back from Puerto Rico, we started I remember we're picking out all the cities we wanted. We're putting down our contacts. We were brainstorming, masterminding, looking at budget costs. 
at one, we actually thought about actually having a cameraman live with us for the whole year, but we realized that was going to be very inefficient, costly, and we wouldn't know how that would work out because they would have to always be with us. So what we decide is, okay, we're going to travel the country. We're going to create this show that's looking for the true, like what is the true meaning of success? We wanted to learn what success meant from other people through their eyes in different cities around the country and, and do it before we got married that year because I had proposed to her on October 13th of 2017, literally the night before the Thinking Rich premiere. And and so I, I we wanted to figure out what success meant. That was a whole concept of the show. So we started in January of, oh, we left Iowa December 27th of two, uh, 2017. We got to Scottsdale and within three weeks, we filmed our first episode with Shea Hillenbrand, the baseball player. And so we what we would do is we'd go in the city, we would live there for, Four to six weeks, we would we would have to find scenes. We'd have to find the talent. We'd have to find everything. We would be on calls with our scriptwriter because they would create like scenes and, and different parts for the show. And then we would fly out our film crew and we'd have a four or five person film crew film with us for four to five days straight. We would set this all up, film nonstop, and then they'd fly out and then we'd go to the next city. So that was a concept of the show. And that's ultimately where it led to us doing a book on it. But um, it, it it was a crazy journey. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? So you were in Massachusetts, you're in Texas, you're in Arizona, you're everywhere. What story in particular or what location stands out as the most inspiring or where you enjoyed yourself the most? You know, every city was unique and it was like different chapters of our lives in that, in that year. So we ultimately set off for 12 cities. We ended up getting six cities and filming five episodes. After the first city, we realized, wow, it's like we're f- – basically self-funding this, we're doing all this. It, was, it wasn't going to be feasible. Um, so Scottsdale was amazing, great support to the community. We got to do events, fundraisers, um, raise about 40 grand for the Boys and Girls Club while we were there. And so that was a cool experience in learning more about who we were as people as we're learning from Shea. When we went to Texas, for one, I wasn't thinking South by Southwest is going during our time we're there. So we couldn't find a, a feasible place to stay. So we lived, we lived in a hotel for a month. That didn't go over well with Sam. Um, <laughs> and we we hit rock bottom because I was going through a buyout of a business partner. I just got done with the event that I spent a lot of money on that you were a speaker at. But the fires were that week. So my attendance was like a third of what it was going to be. We are planning on doing a lot of revenue at that event. And it didn't turn out to be well. And so all these things hit me in one point And and I remember I was like negative thousands in the bank account. I was was broke. And I mean, you knew me back then, but I didn't show it to the world because I can't like, oh, I don't have any money. I'm broke or whatever. I had to keep this strong mindset. And I remember I was like literally rock bottom. Sam wasn't talking to me and we're in the same hotel room. She was dealing with depression because we didn't have any money. She felt like nobody cared about what we we're doing. I questioned like, is anybody going to watch this fucking show? Like, does everybody give a shit? And I think we all have that as entrepreneurs. Do people care about what we're doing? And, and that was really where I found God and, and we, the people we featured was uh, a real estate couple, Ricky and Cody K. Kane. And they said, Hey, why don't you come to our church? It's called Riverbend. And we went to it and I'll never forget this. We're sitting down and the, the person that was uh, the priest said, Dave Haney, he said, some of you are here and you don't know why you're here, but you're here for a reason. And, and like instantly it spoke to us. And so that, after that happened that day, we went back to our hotel room and we felt at peace for the first time in a while. And I remember literally a week after that experience, um, 
I had had a business deal go through that made me more money in that deal than a previous year. So like I went from rock bottom, no money to a lot of money. Also my life changed again, you know? <laughs> um, so that, that was a cool experience. And then once we got to Boston, um, it was the quickest turnaround. We got there uh, May 1st. We left May 31st. So in that time, we had to find the talent scenes, everything, and fly our film crew in, live there, and film. And we're in downtown Boston, which you're filming Boston. I mean, we paid a shit ton for uh, uh, a furnished apartment for a month. <laughs> and and so we learned that you don't need a lot of material things because we learned from a guy that was homeless at one point. And after that episode, we went home. We sold our home. We sold 99% of our things. I was in conversation and selling my event business, Young Entrepreneur Convention, which I did. And I had the first conversation with my father that I was going to sell the family ice business that I bought from him. So Boston made me realize you got to really do what means the most to you. Don't do it for the money. Um, Material things don't really mean anything. Um, And then we went to Denver. My wife told her story. We enjoyed a good time in Denver. And then our last one was Nashville, where it was my favorite city, I think, to stay. I love Nashville. I think I'll eventually move there. Um, but uh, that was cool because we got married there, which you're in that finale episode. <laughs> so each ep- each episode city was its own experience. And what's really cool is we can relive it now. Like we can watch it and it's like, oh, that happened. It's like you have this picture book, right? Free memories. We have a show and we can look back and that was our experience. So it was, it was a crazy journey, man. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was difficult. Uh, but I think the part that we really emphasize on for the book, for example, is we share what we learned, but we go into how hard it was. Like I said, going, Sam is dealing with depression. I, we almost went bankrupt, like all these different things. Most people don't talk about that. We live in a society where it's Instagram, perfect picture. Everything's all right. Let's be, people always got their shit going on. Why not share what's really happening, what it really takes to become successful? It's one of the, the best things I love about the book is just the, it's not even remotely pretentious. It's so real. It's so raw, not just about the experiences that you went through at the time, but also the background that you had, the background that yeah. Sam had. And I think that was really, really interesting. And it's such an easy, engaging read that yeah. people are going to get so much from. Tell us about you and Sam as a couple. What what are the strengths that you obviously have such an amazing bond and I'm grateful to have spent so much time with the yeah. two of you. Uh, what do you each bring to the relationship that makes it such a strong union? We're totally different. That's, I mean, if there was two people like me, it, it would be probably not good. <laughs> um, I'm just very outgoing, very like sometimes it's over the top. Um, and she's like kind of more behind the scenes. She was always very supportive of me. And, and and that works well for us. Like just doing this book tour. She did the first event and the rest. She's like, you go ahead, do it. You'll have more fun without me in terms of, because she doesn't care to do the interviews she does honestly like if somebody requests unless it was you requested for her to go on a podcast she would probably say no because she doesn't care to do that and even when we were on camera she was doing it but it was more like to support what i was doing it wasn't her main thing and and so her thing is fitness personal training empowering women helping them and she's helped a lot of women she is a very old smart soul and so i think that's really great to have that collaboration i think you and your wife i mean the same like you have both kind of things that supplement each other. She is more laid back, gives a different approach. I'm like, go, 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 go. I'm going to do this, do this up in front of the camera. And sometimes she like puts me like my uh, feet in or ground, like grounds me and says, Hey Brennan, like, 
maybe you're getting a little ego. Maybe you're, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's like, one, she'll one, pull me back. Yeah, one trait about how both of our wives is they're never afraid to tell it how it is. Brandon, you're not that cool. James, you're not that cool. <laughs> like, and then, okay, like, because we go, we go speak or we go somewhere and I was like, oh my God. And it's, but it, they pull you back and humble you, you know? And I, we need that. Yeah. We need somebody to wake our ass up because we all go through that. If you're going and let's say you're in front of the camera or you're, you have an audience or you're finding whatever your version of success is on a certain level, Obviously, you're going to have fans and followers, and you can't let that get to your head because if you do, it it could destroy you. Just like a really negative mindset can destroy you at the same time, and that's what I feel like both of our wives are very uh, very good at doing is building us up when they know that we you know when we have dark be- days as a you know on the entrepreneurial roller coaster. They're very like you and I both need our wives to support us because we're not always at this high peak level, we have our moments too and they pick us up and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I love most about you, if not my favorite thing about you is that get up and go spirit that you've, you know, it's something amazing. You've got this, yeah, you've got this energy on tap, which is so great. What are the opportunities that get up and go attitude has given you? So many, man. I mean, I'm the kind of guy is like, I'll shoot, 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 and then aim later. Like (laughs) I just go and, but I now I've kind of honed in more. Like I think a little bit, maybe I'll think for, couple minutes versus 60 seconds before I take action. Um, I, I mean, action is what gets results. The number one thing holding people back is they think about something, they strategize all day, and then a day, an idea is shit unless you actually take action towards it. And that's what I learned in Thinking Rich. It's like, you gotta take daily action. Even if it's like one thing you do every day, every single day, just one thing you accomplish, it'll it'll build up a compound effect. It'll, it'll slowly build up over time and eventually get you your bigger opportunity. And you don't know where it's going to happen. Like I've traveled the country. I've interviewed hundreds of people. Um, I've failed many times. I've tried endeavors that didn't work. When I started in 2015, I started a podcast show at the time. It was called the University of Young Entrepreneurs, now called the Live to Grind podcast. I was traveling around the country and learning from people. And I remember I'd drive my F-150 across the country, whether it was LA or Ohio or Atlanta, Georgia. And I would meet with people in person. And my podcast show was my way to get that connection versus saying, hey, can I pick your brain or you mentor me? So I used my show to interview people. But at the time, I didn't have much money. I bought this Zoom mic and, and these blue mics, and I had this set up with headphones and everything, and I would set up in people's offices. Sometimes I didn't realize I was tra- traveling all around the country just to have that 45-minute interview. And that, for most people, is crazy. They think you're going to pay on your own dime, you're going to travel around the country, and you're gonna interview these people, how are you making money? I'm not. I was sleeping in my truck. I remember I, 2015, I think I slept in my truck 40, 50 nights. Sleep in my truck. I would do, once did a trip from Des Moines, Iowa to LA and back, uh, where I was going on TV and interviewing people too. Um, I did it for like 800 bucks. Most of that was fuel. I ate canned food. I had $5 footlongs sometimes. I remember when I slept in the parking lot, the LA Fitness Center off of Vine Street, I was doing this uh, event I was going to. So what I did is, I convinced them to give me a free pass for the week. I parked my truck up the third level. I would sleep in my truck overnight. In the morning, wake up early. I'd go work out there on a free pass. I would shower there, get ready, go to my conference for the day. I would eat the food they had. And then at the night, I would come back in my truck, edit my podcast show. If you look at early episodes, you probably hear the outside noise. I would do it in my truck and then I would go to sleep and then I'd wake up and do it again. And so that is like pure persistence. People would make fun of me. They thought it was fucking nuts. My girlfriend, now wife, she like, why are you doing that? Worried that I 
somebody like kill me. I'm in my truck. Um, but that was pure action. And so most people, what they would say is I don't got the money. I think of all the reasons why you can't do it. I figured, how could I find a possibility to do it? And so what I did is I ultimately made a lot of connections around the country and I started doing events. So where my best deals happen, opportunities is when I was out in the field meeting with people and sometimes it came, my best opportunity came from a hundred person, a 500 person event. Sometimes it came from a three person meetup. And so if you take action and you go outside your comfort zone and become comfortable being uncomfortable, you will find opportunity and then follow up on that opportunity. Don't just get it and then let it go. You got to follow up and keep, it's like a nonstop taking action every single day. Yeah. You actually did it rather than talk about it. So Don't good. talk. I fucking hate it when people talk. They say that like people will promise me something and under promise over deliver when they over promise and, and then they, they let me down because I will never ask anything of anybody that I wouldn't do myself really over deliver. And if you prove to somebody that you're a reliable person, they will never forget that and they will help you. So always over, over deliver. We'll be back with Brandon shortly, but first, just a quick announcement. If you are a podcaster listening or watching this show, We Are Podcast is coming this November. If you've ever thought about starting your own podcast and whether it was right for you or if you've already got a podcast and you want to monetize it, this is the place for you. We've got more than two dozen speakers who are some of the world's leading podcasters, marketers, and entrepreneurs. Over two days, this virtual experience will show you exactly how you can 10X your audience, establish yourself as an authority, connect with anyone you want on the planet, and build a thriving business from your podcast. To register, just go to wearepodcast.com. This event is going to be huge and you don't want to miss it. Our last event had people attending from more than 15 countries. So just go to wearepodcast.com. And Brandon, you actually spoke at We Are Podcast, didn't you, in May? That was fun. I remember it was late. I think I was at midnight, like 10 p.m. till midnight or something. I, it was during quarantine. Yeah, I had a beard the- and hat on. I was That was a fun. And I think I had a beer <laughs> that night when I was done. I'm like, hey, it was fun. It was a good event. Your Brandon was the last session of the day, and so it was great because we just had the Q and A and just kept it rolling as much as we could. So yeah. it was uh, it was fantastic. A great event. Like I, if you get the chance to speak at it, do it. It was one of my favorite events. Especially, I mean, you were kind of doing the interview with me, but also I, I listened to some of the, the talks. I mean, it was great. A lot of great connections. And I actually got some uh, clients just from being at the event. Mm, absolutely. It's a great place to connect with other podcasters and, and tap into some big opportunities. You've always been very, very good at video content. And there was a video yeah. that you posted recently. Oh, boy. Yeah. How, how do you feel when you look back at the, you know, the really early videos that you did when you were just getting into the video on the branding side? Yeah. Wh- I'm curious. What video? Which was the one that you were outside and that you went running back in, uh, you went running back inside? Which was that one? outside ah was it the one where i was doing the apprentice competition i kicked a bag or yeah was it, that was it yeah yeah so that was one of my first videos and that was <laughs> at my house and and by the way i i knew nothing about video and to give you perspective you guys want to uh, search on, on uh, youtube brandon adams apprentice competition and so like i showed at that time i was selling real estate so i showed you maybe know me for selling real estate. And I was like showing all the things I did. And then I had an ice cooler and bags of ice and I threw an ice bag and I'm like, you may know me from selling ice. And I went through my house. And by the way, if you look, my house is full of shit everywhere. Like <laughs> it was like a catastrophe, a bachelor house. And then it showed me, hey, maybe you know me for my invention. At the end, I kicked a bag in my basement. And I don't know why I kicked a bag. And I don't know why I did that. I looked ridiculous. 
But see, I started. And so we all, uh, for creating video content, what happens is people care what other people think. They're going to say the wrong thing. People are going to give them shit. Who cares? And no matter what, they're still going to give you shit. Um, and so I just became fearless in creating content. And then, like I said, with crowdfunding, I saw the power of what video did for fundraising. I just started creating more content. And now the fact that we got this thing called a phone, like, it, there's no excuse. I create 99% of my content on my iPhone. And I just, I, I sh bring people into my life. I share who I am. I share how I help people. And I share great knowledge and tips in my area of expertise. And that results to more followers, more people watching inside your life, more trust they build with you. And it ultimately leads to more sales. And I think video content, video marketing is the most powerful thing we have right now. And that's why I'm all in on it. Yeah. So people who don't take the action on creating video content can't really blame themselves for lack of uh, prospects out. coming to the pipeline. I mean, think about it. every video you create, it helps with SEO. So like people can Google my name, Brandon T. Adams. And they can see like 15 pages deep of content from videos, everything I did. And so what happens is more and more of this stuff is putting online. Mm. It's easier for people to find you. But also, if somebody's thinking about working with you, you better hope that you have a great representation online in terms of what you do. So if they can find all your videos, consume them. A lot of people that work with me, to Brandon, I've been watching your videos for a couple of years now. I enjoy your stuff. Um, and I'm thinking about whether now it's like need help with video marketing, need help with have you advise my company. And that came because I'm putting out consistent content. Anybody can do this, whether you're in real estate, whether you're a small business owner, whether you're author, speaker, whatever. All you got to do is bring people into your life, but also share what you do, how you help people. And the people that are out there that need your help will reach out and get you to help them. Mm. Well, now you're an Emmy award-winning TV yeah. producer and host. You've spoken on hundreds of stages around the world with some of the most renowned entrepreneurs. Uh, you've been on three, or you've had three TV shows yeah. now. What stands out as the darkest day for you, looking back at your at your life and this journey that you've been on? Yeah, I mean, it's up and down. Like, if you're in this space, even when you've whether you made it or you've had success, you're going to have your ups and downs. We're humans; we go through life. Life happens, whether you're dealing with a death, a family member, a relationship, whatever it may be. And so there's a couple of them. Uh, I'll share two. And, I, I, and the reason I'll share them is because it shows how they ultimately led to my success. Um, in 2014, uh, Samantha and I moved to Des Moines, Iowa to start this company called Adams Product Innovation. I had spent money on a lawyer. I was going to go buy an existing asset. I had money raised, ready to go. I was going to start this business. I had an office picked out. We got a, we signed a lease on an apartment downtown Des Moines. And I told Sam to leave her job. She left. And I said, you're going to have a full-time job. And we get there. And then it started my gut feeling like what I was about to do was going to be wrong for me. I knew if I did it, it would hurt me in the long run because I didn't have enough experience in the background. I'm I was going to be taking a lot of money. Um, ultimately, I decided not to do it. And so it hurt me because like my girlfriend and now wife, she said, I mean, she was like, I let her down. And she's like, what do I do now? Because she wasn't really an entrepreneur and she believed in me. So I felt like I let everybody down and I had to go against. I said I was going to do something, but I had to go against it and say, I'm not going to do it. But sometimes you have to eat your pride. And so that happened and I didn't know I was going to pay rent. Our relationship was kind of rocky because it's like I we were figuring out what are we going to do. And and so that was a rock bottom moment. But I figured out when you hit rock bottom, there's only one place to go and it's up. But also you get these superhuman powers to figure out what you're going to do. 
And so what happened is what Sam ended up getting a job at a, a fitness center where that's how she got into fitness, became a personal trainer. And I ultimately went and did a crowdfunding campaign for my invention Arctic stick, which got me into crowdfunding, got me into TV. So looking back on that low moment, if that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have become the person I am today. Sometimes our temporary defeats are successes in disguise. You just have to look at what can I learn from this and how can I move forward? So that was a big one. And the uh, another one was, uh, like I said before, when we were in Austin, like rock bottom, didn't know what I was going to do. And, and the whole thing is just keep going. If you keep pushing forward and it is tough, whether you're in a financial situation or, or relationships, but you got to figure out how to put yourself in a mindset that you can stay positive given the situation, keep moving forward. And the ways I've done that is be around the right people. Um, fitness, without that, I'd be dead. Um, and meditation and just really just putting yourself in this positive atmosphere so you can get through those tough times. Relationships have been by far the biggest uh, asset that you have had and that yeah. I have had. What is the biggest relationship or business partnership that stands out as having moved the needle the most in your life or your business? Well, besides you, I mean, you've been, honestly, there's not many people I can go to and, and share everything. You're one of them. You're like a brother to me. You're my Australian brother. Um, so for one, you, but uh, Kevin Harrington has been, in terms of making money in business, I've made more money with him than anybody. Um, and I've made him a lot of money, but we, we've we helped a lot of people. Kevin uh, Kevin was the original shark on Shark Tank. He did a couple seasons. He's known for pioneering, inventing the infomercial He's taken over 20 companies to 100 million plus. One, I was smallly a part of that 21 now, 101 uh, company that during my time with him went to 100 million plus. And so Kevin, uh, I saw what Kevin had done and I'm like, I always found people I wanted to mimic in my own way and learn from. I knew I wanted to get him as a mentor. And so I studied him. I read his books and over months of preparation and reaching out, Talking to the assistant, I eventually hired him to come to my event in Iowa in 2016. Ever since that event, we've done, I don't know, probably a dozen different deals. We have investment in five companies right now together. Um, but I've learned so much. And lesson is find somebody that's doing things at such a high level. Like if you want to become a billionaire, you want to become super wealthy, or you want to become the top TV host or whatever, find somebody that is doing it at that level. Figure out how to help them. Make them money get their attention and they will help you in return. And I would say that's been a pivotal thing for me. And even when he's not mentoring me and I'm just in the room with him, people that are very successful in terms of achieving things in business, they, they communicate differently. They understand things differently. And just by being in their presence, you learn and by being in their presence, you're a lot more likely to get an opportunity to work together with them and get like so-called lucky. So surround yourself with those right people. Absolutely. What about the business partnerships or relationships that didn't and well, or they didn't go anywhere, or people that have maybe reached out to Plenty. you to try and establish a, a relationship. What are the traits with those relationships that fizzle out or people that you don't want to proceed with? Again, it, it's uh, over people over promise under deliver. Um, also life changes. I mean, we, I've made mistakes. I remember when I had a team for Acceler Media Group and now it's more me and subcontractors, but um, there were seven of us and I was probably my worst enemy. I probably was a horrible person to work with. And I'll admit that. I'll admit that maybe I wasn't the best person. I expected a lot and do above and beyond and, and do all these different things that I, sometimes I, I was just a horrible person to work with. And I'll completely admit that. And so sometimes it's on me. But as long as you learn from it and you don't make those same mistakes, 
So I've had a lot of partnerships come and go. I I would rather be in a, a position where we collaborate and things together and not start a company together because that's like you're getting married together. And if things go wrong, you got to go through the buying out of business partner. So I've sold two companies and I've bought out business partners and I've been through those uncomfortable situations, but you have to do them. So I don't know, you get to know somebody. Um, it's like the dating. So you, you date them a while before you're going to marry them. Uh, make sure you get to know somebody and maybe you test runs and be in friendships, partnerships together before you actually go into business with them and uh, communicate. Mm. Communication's key in business and your relationship. And the more you can communicate, the better. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Well, let's now move into what we call the win the day rocket round, which is 10 quick questions to get to know the real you. Oh, Are you boy. ready for this? I guess so. Let's do it. <laughs> Number one, what quote inspires you the most? Yeah, whatever the mind conceives and believes the mind achieves and also whatever you think about the most is what you become. I love it. Number two, morning coffee or evening wine? Sometimes both, but mainly a, a red eye. I do a black coffee with espresso in it. That sounds like fun. Number three, what's one bit of advice you would give your 18-year-old self? Find somebody, read Think and Go Rich, but also find somebody that's already achieved what you want to achieve and get work for them for free. Get them as mentor and, and learn how to become them. Number four, what book do you gift the most? Think and Go Rich um, by Napoleon Hill. Um, and then now uh, The Road to Success. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, was there a vulnerability you once hid within that became your superpower? Yeah, um, being authentic and, and being open and sharing your real obstacles and not trying to figure out like not trying to show the world you got it all figured out because you don't number six what's one thing you've learned about failure it's necessary for success number seven if you could sit on a park bench and have a conversation with someone alive or dead who would it be <laughs> my selfish reason for fun reasons eminem uh <laughs> but for actually a business person it would be uh it would be steve jobs Eminem could be a good business person. Yeah, you could do it. Yeah. <laughs> Number eight, what tool or resource best helps you run your life or your business? Oh, a tool or my iPhone. Yeah, good for all <laughs> your videos. Seriously, like I could do my whole business on my iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. Number nine, share one thing on your bucket list. Oh, man. Uh, bucket list. Okay. I This is just what it comes to my mind is I, I want to go with my wife to uh, Maui, Hawaii for uh, 10 days. I haven't done that yet. I think she'd like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and number 10, final question. What's one thing you do to win the day? Take action every day. Take action every single day. Well, there are a bunch of ways to connect with Brandon, and we'll link to all of these in the show notes. You can connect with him on Instagram at Brandon T. Adams. You can grab a copy of his amazing new book, The Road to Success, and you can also check out his awesome TV show, Success in Your City, also on Amazon. And I think what we might do, actually, is have a book competition. So if you've enjoyed this interview, go and give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and send us an email to let us know that you've done it and your favorite takeaway from the show, and we will send out a copy of The Road to Success wherever you are in the world. World. So remember to go and connect with Brandon and grab a copy of The Road to Success. Again, all of that will be linked into the show notes. So Brandon, thanks so much for coming on the thanks show. Thanks for having me. That's all for this episode. Just a reminder, if you're a, if you're a podcaster or thinking about starting your own show or you want to 10x your audience or make money from your podcast, to go and register for We Are Podcast in November. To learn more about that event or to register, just go to wearepodcast.com. Remember to get out there and win the day. Until next time, onwards and upwards, always.